When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. College football in the books for 20 and 23 into 2024. Michigan, your national champions. Washington finished number two overall after a 34 to 13 loss last night. It was 20 to 13 midway through the fourth quarter. A couple of late touchdowns created the separation, but uh, Washington was in that game. They got behind early, but uh, made it a pretty good football game until uh, just kind of gave in late. But uh, in the end, they're number two. And by the way, Texas finishes ranked third, Rod. Third in the final AP poll. And uh, if you look at the final scorecard, Texas beat six teams that appear in the final AP poll. They beat second-ranked Washington, or lost by, and this is from our friend Blake Monroe over at On Texas Football, Rod. Um... Played six of the top 25, beat four by a combined score of 156 to 89. The two losses were by a combined 10 points. They, of course, lost to Washington and Oklahoma, or by Washington by six, Oklahoma by four. But they beat Alabama, beat Oklahoma State, beat K-State, and beat Kansas, who all finished in the top 25. Uh, now, give me the other teams they beat. They're in top 25. Alabama, uh-huh. Oklahoma State, yeah. K-State, yeah. Kansas. Run first teams. Run first team. Football's about matchups. That's right. The, the best pass offenses they played, pass first offenses. Sixth-year left-handed quarterbacks. Exactly, with good <laughs> quarterbacks, specifically left-handed six-year ones, as you mentioned. Uh, those ones they lost to. And no coincidence that they're ahead of schedule. Nobody expected them to be in the college football playoff just to win the Big 12. And, by the way, they dominated that Big 12 championship. All right, They beat Oklahoma State like they stole something. And when you got, uh, when you got to the college football playoff ahead of schedule – that the last phase of your roster construction is your defensive backfield. That's why you got five uh, recruits who are DBs in this recruiting class. Uh, Bring them a Cuba make six. I don't think it's a coincidence that that's the last area of emphasis in your roster construction. And yet that was what essentially lost you that matchup versus Washington. It was, it was why it was a bad matchup. You were exposed there and exposed in with the lack of pass rush because you don't have perennial elite pass rushers yet. And you're also getting those in this recruiting class with Colin Simmons and Tracy Trey Moore. So being ahead of schedule is a good thing, but being ahead of schedule is why you were outclassed in a sense versus Washington and it would have been probably been a better matchup if you just played <laughs> Michigan. They would have matched up better with Michigan or yeah, Alabama, obviously, and they yeah, beat run, Alabama because those are run first teams. Yeah, and, and that's what you do best. Yeah, you're. But the pass first teams, uh, they had they had a chance to. Yeah, you know, elite passing, which they have, and you're right about that. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, props to Michigan, and props to Georgia the year before, and Georgia the year before. But what do those teams have in common? They're very deep. Talented and have very, they don't have a major, a fatal flaw. There's no major hole in the roster. There's no major weakness. Texas had a hole. They did. They had a, they had a fatal flaw. Uh, And it's kind of like, you know, we talk about those all the time. And and that's how you get to be a champion. You have to, and Longhorns won the Big 12, so they're a champion by technically. But to win the national championship, you have to have very few falls. You got to be very deep. Yeah. I think in the end for Washington, you know, not being able to beat Michigan, they just haven't, didn't have enough depth and their quarterback had a off game and, uh, 
you know, they're just not as good as Michigan. Period. Uh, period. They, they don't have a five-star on their roster. They have less than a 50% blue-chip ratio, which is percentage of four- and five-star recruits on your roster. So just like you pointed out, they just don't have enough talented depth. They just don't have enough it, 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 dudes. They got some dudes, but not to enough. to the point, I mean – the great equalizer in a matchup like that where one team's more talented is the quarterback. And, you know, against Texas, the quarterback played elite. Ooh. Against Texas, against Michigan, the quarterback had boy, an off night. Boy, did he. And that was, their, that was their path to victory in that game. It really was, man. And, you know, he didn't play great, and they did a great job of affecting him. There's no doubt about that. But we all saw him miss some throws that, you know, he, he normally makes. Lohan fan, <laughs> fans makes. were shocked when he missed some of those throws. When he missed a dude on the – well, it was like a seam route, and then he threw it like a seven cut. He threw it to the outside shoulder, and you know, those they missed it. Everyone was like, "What?" How? He uh, against Texas, that would be a touchdown. Like walk in, dancing in the end zone. Touchdown. That was their one time when when Michigan kind of broke a coverage and they busted. Yeah, they, they busted. And they, they busted it twice. Same. It was the same concept. concept. It was. The, I, I always talk about closely cluster groups of receivers, a bunch formations. It was that, and then they busted it a second time. I believe they caught it the second time. But it was oh, and he called, called back called the holding. holding. That was the holding it's call. Called back the holding. So they yeah. they went back to it. They, they hit it, it and yeah. called him for holding. And they should have went more tempo. When they went tempo, they were moving the rock against Michigan. Michigan couldn't they figure did. out the tempo. That was but, a that was a good game after the first quarter. It was very even, and in the end, um, you know, Michael Penix, if he makes some throws he normally makes, they they have a chance to win that game without it, um, especially with with their top running back getting hurt early in the game. Yeah. Uh, it says Washington was ahead of schedule as well. Washington was a great story. I mean, the Washington went twenty one, twenty two straight games. I mean, um, you know, that's a that's a good team, and it is it is a situation where. Kalen DeBoer inherited a team that really had been built a lot of ways by Chris Peterson. Yes. Who always builds with physical, tough, yep. hard-nosed players and, you know, good football co- you know, character. And then he brought in his quarterback and, you know, was able to keep a guy like Roma Dunze from transferring. He brought in a system. Brought in a system. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Jimmy Lake was the bridge guy in there. But, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be the long-term guy. But uh, either way, that's where, you know, and so Washington is a bit of a head of schedule. But remember, that was a program built by, by Chris Peterson. In a pretty good way. I mean, the, the uh, what's the the pass rusher's name? The kid that Braylon uh, Trice. Braylon Trice. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a Peterson guy. Yeah, you're right. Because they had how many sixty? Uh, oh, nine? Man, ten or eleven. Yeah, nine to yeah. ten sixty-year seniors on. I'm talking about guys that played crucial roles. For yeah, yeah, too, yeah, Including the quarterback. So you're right. It, I will say this about their uh, their recipe. It's they are ahead of schedule, no doubt. But it's a little different than Texas because, like I said, they don't they don't have any five stars on that roster they have more three stars than texas has four stars i mean that's a well, that, and, they don't they don't recruit a lot of blue chips it's a different and they stayed undefeated because yeah. of their their football culture and character and their quarterback i mean the quarterback. They, they won some games yeah. where they probably shouldn't have won and that's and that's where texas being ahead of schedule texas won some games they probably shouldn't have won uh and they're trying to i mean texas the point of the whole this whole conversation for me is texas trying to get to where georgia and michigan have yes. been well, you, where well, they you, don't have a week well you knocked on the door for a couple of years, that means you get to the college football playoff again pretty soon in one of the next two years, and you may not win it again. Because, like you said, Michigan lost a couple of times, right? Back-to-back years. Georgia back lost years. to Bama. Georgia, exactly. So you you may or may not break through that year, but it, you you got to keep you know building and trending toward it, and then at one point you will – Eventually, the talent will. Yeah, the talent will overcome. The coach will and overcome. You won't have a major weakness. Yes. Uh, and and you'll just that can and be, you'll be that deep and talented. Yeah. And uh, that's what Michigan was. They were number yeah. one but to you start the year. Stack classes, do that. Texas hadn't stacked enough classes. Not they, yet. They stacked some good ones. Not yet. But they hadn't stacked enough of those classes. And by the way, now you're losing. And on top of stacking those classes, you got to get accustomed to losing 
That's a right. lot of those guys Reload. to the league. Because that means your that means your program is doing really well. Because you get seven, eight guys drafted. You got to be in such a place in terms of your roster construction is so strong, um, and you're stacking classes uh, with such elite talent that when you lose those seven, eight guys to the draft, which Texas is about to. That there's not yeah, that much get, of a drop off. There's not yeah, that get, much of a regression. Yeah, you don't have you don't rebuild, you reload. Yeah, and and, and you, you did that running back this year. You did. And yeah, so at some places you already de tackle. You did tackle. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And look, and look, as we said last night, is the end of an era. The fourteen playoff is over. It's now a twelve team playoff. I mean, the conference realignment takes hold this this upcoming season. The new TV network deals kick in uh, with Fox and ESPN, and it does look like. <laughs> I think it was Pete Thamel who reported last night that ESPN is the front runner to land the the TV rights for the college the whole football damn playoff. Thing? Yeah, the whole shebang. I, I I really think they should split it up. They with should Fox split and it up, and, man. And, and, That's too much power for one network agreed, to have over agreed. your playoff. Well, especially when Fox is going to be seen as the Big Ten network. Yeah, I and see SEC that. is the you know ACC and the big and the ESPN is the SEC. And the ACC. I'm with you, man. Uh, hopefully they'll split those up. They but, should. You know, by next year, because look, um, gosh, I saw a tweet this morning from someone saying, I, I still think Georgia was the best team in the country this year. Uh, and, and again, Georgia didn't Fair. win their play-in yeah. game. Uh, but I think we got a glimpse of what that 12-team playoff is going to be. Um, you know, championships. Your championship Saturday was you got well, a lot of people those teams, are, I, I hear people right? saying that the the championship won't matter, and, and because you'll dilute it and water it down. Well, not true. It's still going to be important to be in the final four because you don't have to play the first weekend. Yeah, yeah you get the bye. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get the advantage games, of not having to play, and you have yeah. to win fewer games to win a championship. Yep. That's a huge advantage. So yes, to win the SEC championship, uh, to get that automatic bid, if it can keep you in the top four, is still huge. But if you're outside that top four, Rod, and you can pull the upset in the SEC championship game or the Big Ten championship game, wherever you can automatically qualify, you automatically get in. That makes those games huge. And it doesn't. In a, in a team like Georgia, they don't get too penalized no. for having an off day. Ohio State, and one off day. Yeah, you don't get too penalized. Like, hey, man, you still got hope that you can accomplish your ultimate goal, which is winning the national title. Yeah, yeah, or compete for one. And now we can look forward to what changes are coming, right? With with ESPN and Fox taking control, the conference is moving and settling into what they're gonna be. Uh, for the most part, you know, Florida State's still trying to wiggle their way out of the ACC, but they've got to have a landing spot and other things have to happen. But for the most part, we're settling in with the new Big Ten with the four schools from the West Coast, the new Big 12, the new SEC, uh, what the ACC has been, and here we go. You know, the, think about this for changes, Rod. You know, what, what, what will the TV networks and the leaders of college football push for as far as you know, guardrails on NIL, portal? Because, listen, next year with a 12-team playoff, you can't have the portal open in December. There's got to be something yeah, that changes. Something out. You can't. I mean, yeah. you can't. It's going to be chaos. It's already chaos. It's already chaos. That's going to be chaos for 12 teams. There's got to be <laughs> a, a new way. I don't know what the answer is because, the, as we've said, the kids that aren't playing in the 12-team playoff, the youngsters, you know, they want to – if they're going to transfer, they want to transfer. The, now, um, I don't know how this plays out. They, they've got a lot of questions to answer. Um, uh, and no one is sitting here saying it's, it's all perfect. I mean, they've got a lot to work on. But with 2023 in the rearview and 2024 here, all the everything that's been building, I mean, I, I kind of feel like someone who's covered it from its beginnings all the way back when A&M left and all the conference realignment phases we've gone through. This is really settling in. This yep. 2024 is, no way nobody would ever say it's the end, but it does feel like at least for the next half decade or beyond, this is what we're dealing with. And it's going to be 12 teams. And it's going to be about 70 teams that'll yep. be playing for the national championship. Uh, TV networks are as, as as powerful or more powerful than ever before, uh, with Fox and ESPN. 
and and how do they get together and and build the guardrails and work together to build some you know the, the Big Ten commissioners have to work with the SEC commissioner and Pretty Brett much. Yormark and they're going to have to come up with rules they can all agree upon. Um, Should they start using headset communication? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's an easy one, right? That's an That's easy an one. Easy like, one. SEC and Big Ten get together like, hey, Nat, we should start using it for our games. Well, I mean, at the, after their bowl game, Chip Kelly, maybe we could play this coming up and who said that, but Chip Kelly said it and laid it out. I mean, it's, you know, there's no reason because UCLA is going to play football in the Big Ten that the UCLA volleyball team has to play volleyball in the Big Ten. Yeah. This is what we're talking Putting about. Put a strain Let's, on one program because of the yeah. yeah why, why can't another. why can't our volleyball team still play over here? All these things that make make a lot of sense can be need to be discussed. Now again, I, I believe everything's going to get solved. No, uh, we've been doing this for 30 years uh, talking about what uh, could be um, because you know there are still people that predict that say the game is is not the same. The one thing I would always say to those who say it, it's changing, this is economics, y'all. Until the schools, and I've been saying this for 30 years, until the schools decide they want to give the money back yep. and not take the money, it has to change. That's the whole point. You can't keep it the same Mm-mm. unless you go back to st- and not take the billions of dollars that are being handed to you. Yep. you have to, that, if you want it to go back to the way you remember it and you loved it, then the schools have to say, okay, we're not taking the money anymore. Yep. We're gonna be all, yeah, we actually are not going to be a – billion-dollar entity anymore with college football. <laughs> right. gonna choose and they be, should have done this month, yeah. decades ago. Well, a mom-and-pop shop thing. Saying, you know, uh, we, we, just, we just won't we, – we, we're, we're out of that game. Yep. Uh, you guys go build your own yep. minor league system somewhere else. We're going to yeah. be college sports. We're an academic institution here. Yeah. So for all <laughs> you that are, are yelling about that, it's the schools that sold out. It's the universities it's the that sold out. The president that was like, hey, man, we can make a lot of cash. They could have held here. the line on this yeah. and said, no, 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 no. Academics first, amateurism is what matters. They can yeah. go start throwing minor league football league somewhere else. We're sticking the course. No, mm-hmm. they, they took the money. They continue to take the money. I ain't mad at them. They reap the benefits. Yeah. And so if they're going to do that, you have to change. You can't stay what you were. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's not feasible. I mean, you got so you got to the point now. It's so extreme. You got schools like SMU saying, no, no, we'll pay our own way. Until we get until that power until four. Because we know the long money is going to be good money. So we'll pay our own way. We got this. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't got to pay for us. We pay our when, way. Yeah, when, <laughs> when Texas went to the SEC, you heard them say this is not a five-year decision. It's a 50-year decision. Yeah, that could, it's sure. a long money decision, long game, man. Because yeah. college, with, with the entertainment ecosystem now, sports is more valuable than it's ever been. And it's only getting more valuable because we only watch like four things live. That's and right. Is and for those who say, man, <laughs> I wish it's getting ruined and it needs to go back. I mean, okay, well, then tell the school to stop taking the money. That's the that's the because what the yes, what the TV networks to the ecosystem point you just made, Rod. What the TV networks have done is tap into the passion of fans and the mm-hmm. fans at these universities and these schools, because the that that's the passion of the NFL fan. That's the passion of any sport where people tune in in yep. real time. That's what they want to buy and sell and and showcase. That's a great point. They package passion. Yeah, they do. Because that's what that's why politics, people watch politics live whether it be a It's debate, emotion, right? It's debate. emotion. Yeah, they It's right? emotion, it's <laughs> anger, if it's if it's, you know, tragedies, disaster porn, so fear. Yeah. Fear and just sorrow, right? When they when you're seeing plane crash footage, you yeah, know, yeah. year round or around the clock whatever. or whatever it might be whatever or a school shooting or whatever. Yeah. I mean, those that's that's just that's emotion. That's you know, that's what you're trying. To, that's what they're they're packaging for sure, hundred percent. Anger, passion, fear. Uh, that's what TV is at this point. Yeah, uh, conflict. I, I don't disagree with you. And you know what? We can have a discussion of whether that's right, no, <laughs> whether no. that's constructive or not. But but, but, but that's end, exactly it, what they're doing. That's exactly every every what's communications going on. class I ever took and every marketing class I've ever been around would tell you that the consumer decides. 
The consumer decides what yeah. they want to consume. Well, because we ne- we stopped consuming things live, and we wanted to consume things on our own timeline, our own convenience, and that's where streaming came in yeah. and DVR, and we didn't want to watch commercials that way. But so they were like, all right, so we need them to watch commercials. We need eyeballs to watch commercials so we can sell advertising. Because already we're going to make money to sell advertising. Yeah. So what are they watching? Well, they're watching sports live. Why are they watching sports live? They're passionate about it. Well, they're watching politics live and the debates. Because they're passionate. Because they're passionate about two teams. It. Because, yeah, exactly. Right, you're <laughs> Allegiance, right? They're using that kind of stuff. So, and you go tribalism, that kind of stuff. And then we watch some like disaster stuff live. We watch new people watch news. People watch news live. So they figured out, you know what, to sell advertising. These are the specific areas that we have to focus on because that's the only thing that we can guarantee our advertisers that people are watching. We can say, hey man, we got this many people watching this event right now. Streaming, that's harder to do. And now they're merging because there's an NFL playoff game Saturday night that's only on Peacock. Yeah, that, only you know, that on was, you know, I know that was. I, I got Peacock, so I'm, I'm good on that. Because wifey watches all of her trash TV on Peacock. All of your <laughs> Watch What Happens Live and your E News oh, and yeah. E Entertainment, all that stuff. Bravo, that's all on Peacock. So I got Peacock. I'm yeah, cool. Chiefs Dolphins is the Peacock game. And yeah. Of course, there's the immediate uh, allegations of conspiracy that this was all the, the Chiefs oh, the got Taylor the game Swift? because of Taylor oh, Swift. Oh, <laughs> Ty, that's brilliant. Oh, if the NFL, if the NFL is that smart, give them props for that. If well, they, and the if Peacock. What a long it. game. That's a long play. There's because of all of uh, Taylor Swift fans will get the Peacock channel. Because they do have it because my wife has it because they all have Bravo. They all want the Bravo trash TV. Yeah, yeah. And Peacock is your trash TV app. Oh, NFL. And it's also for the Premier League soccer. So if you're a soccer fan, you probably already have Peacock. If that's the case, they are playing chess. Yeah. And everybody else is playing checkers. If this was, if this was off to get the the Peacock game to get max ratings on it, they got the Taylor Swift uh, pr- promo going. That's brilliant. And it's going to be about zero degrees. Yeah. For that game when it kicks off, maybe four. That's good. Maybe four. I didn't even think about that conspiracy theory. All right, the ecosystem. And uh, so as we bid farewell and bid adieu to the four-team playoff, we'll take your thoughts on the new 12-team playoff good that's riddance. coming. Ugh. And I do think, like we've seen, the the transformational change rod in the the conferences and the realignment and who's where and what exists, like the Pac-12 is over. I think this this next six months, uh, maybe seven months through July, there's going to be some some pretty substantive transformational change as far as the things we're talking about. They're going to have to because mm-hmm. now that everybody kind of knows where they're landing and the TV networks can be a part of this, there has to be some structural changes made. I don't, you know, whether it's early signing period window things and portals and when they open and then when they're not and uh, that kind of stuff, the guardrails that we've been talking about. This might be the off season when they, they start to really try to put some of those in place how, and how, get some agreement on them. How involved is the NCAA? It, so be, I think that's right? a question, too. Do you I let mean, them call shots on this? Do you just say, hey, man, we will keep you up to date on what we decide? Like, How well, involved is the NCAA the, in, this, well, in these decisions? Well, remember, if you go all the way back to the 80s when the, when, the, when the conferences took control of football away from the NCAA, you, they, you can do that. I mean, it's been done before. It, and it's a smart move. <laughs> yes, it is. They've been giving up more and more power since COVID. Yeah. They gave up and, control and it, during, power, uh, during COVID. Like it, because, it, look, the NCAA signed a huge deal uh, with ESPN to, sign, to broadcast all the championships, right? You know, tennis and soccer and uh, lacrosse. ESPN airs all those games, all those championship games, yeah. volleyball, just recently with Texas. That, that all stays. None of that changes. I mean, none of that needs to change. The, 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 that money still needs to, to come in, and those games need to be broadcast. And the softball, which has become a, a very popular thing, baseball, that all needs to happen through ESPN and the TV partners and the NCAA. You just remove the top 70 teams from football and let them run themselves. 
and and we'll see. I don't know if that can all change this offseason. I do, th- do think there'll be some major rules changes coming down the pike as they go. Because remember, all the presidents, everybody gets together for their winter meetings and mm-hmm. then their spring meetings, and then there's something. That's usually when these things are discussed and bantied yeah. about. And now that everyone knows what TV network they're on and who they're beholden to, what conference they're in, I think they can actually have those. Because everything else, the last off, several offseasons have been about. You know, conference realignment. It's happening. That's you know, all done. ACC, if you're at, if well, you that's the one. Florida State, they're like, no, we want another round. Another yeah. round of realignment. That's right. All right. <laughs> one more. As we did earlier, since we're already past 920, let's go to a quick timeout. When we come back. Rod will have his second rant of the morning. Is this NFL related as well? We had the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. We'll just go back to wild card. Let's do it. Discussion, let's do it. Because the, the Cowboys are on the clock. It's playoff time. Texans are ahead of schedule. It's playoff time. We'll get to all that. Come back in Rod's rant. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the uh, wild card matchups for the Texans and the Cowboys. We started with the, uh, the Cowboys last Rod's rant. Let's start with the Texans here and their matchup versus the Browns. Uh, a couple of nuggets here that I think are going to be interesting. First of all, I heard Pat McAfee's show with C.J. Stroud on it. Now, I wish we could play some of the sound, but I'd have to send it to my man Ty for him to break it down because they drop a lot of bomb expletives on, in, uh, on the Pat McAfee show, and they did when they were interviewing him. But it was a really nice nugget, and I think it relates to the story that we brought up today, the reports that Bobby Slowick, the new offensive coordinator, first-time play caller for the Texans, is also uh, being uh, considered for the head coach in vacancies for the Commanders and for the Panthers. They both requested interviews with uh, Bobby Slowick, the first-time play caller for the Texans, who's done a great job with C.J. Stroud uh, and did a great job with Brock Purdy. So he's got two of those young, uh, fast-rising stars, high-achieving stars, young quarterbacks on his resume that's really helping his draft stock. But I heard C.J. Stroud say this, and I I, I don't know if it's a credit to Bobby Slowick. Oh, I don't know if it's like an indictment on Bobby Slowick. I don't know which one. He said, I'm paraphrasing, he said to Pat McAfee, because they were asking about the S2 cognition test. And he started laughing about it, and they were like, that S2 cognition test is dead, basically. You, you know you killed it. Right? There was supposed to, be a, a, uh, supposed to be this new kind of a corporate wonder, wonder this technological wonder that was supposed to r- replace the, uh, the Wonder League test and show how quickly quarterbacks process information. And the report was that, C.J. Stroud did poorly on the S2 cognition test. And, well, he's at the greatest rookie season in the history of the NFL for quarterbacks. But when he was asked about it, at the end of that video, he says that the offense at Ohio State gave him more responsibility and put more on his plate than the offense here with the Texans. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, it just shows you that there is a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, – I would say there's a lot more sophistication to the Ryan Day offense than, than one would have thought because they're putting a lot on these young quarterbacks' plates, so that's good for their development and good for how they would translate and transition to the NFL. But Bobby Slowick, man, give him credit that what they're doing right now in the offense, and I'll give you the stats for uh, for C.J. Stroud here in a second just to show you exactly where he stands among uh, the uh, the top quarterbacks in the NFL statistically. But for him to be performing at such a high level, playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and having a rookie season that some would say is the greatest rookie season in the history of the NFL for a quarterback. And he is saying, no, actually, it was harder to 
I had more on my plate. I had more responsibilities as a quarterback in, in at Ohio State than I do in uh, the NFL. I think it's a credit to Bobby Sloak for simplifying the offense for C.J. Stroud and making it quarterback friendly. If it's a, if it, for him, if he feels like it's a simple offense to play in, then he feels like he can play freer and play more loose and have uh, less on his plate, less burden on his plate as a young quarterback in the NFL than in college, I'll give Bobby Sloy credit for that, for simplifying everything and making it easy. And maybe that's why his name is coming up in a lot of these uh, these, these head coaching vacancies. Because that, that, I was shocked to hear that, that Brian Day's offense to him was yeah. more burdensome, if you will, than this offense he's in right now. It is interesting in what they've done. Now, now as far as the cognition goes, having watched uh, C.J. Stroud all year, I think. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It's one of his biggest strengths. I know, so that test was like... <laughs> his ability to see the field quickly and make quick decisions yes. and get the ball out. Even, I agree with Even you. down the field. I mean, it's not like he's just dinking Duncan. No. No, no one pushes the ball down the field more than CJ does when he's got his full complement of receivers. Uh, but he makes that decision quickly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we saw him with the Nico Collins throw the other night where he understood the coverage real quick and that it was man and he was going to be able to just you know turn his back and throw it out there and Nico was going to run to it there wouldn't be a defender there because Pat McAfee even said to him as a of course Pat McAfee played for the Colts so I'm assuming he's rooting for the Colts the mm-hmm. other night uh he's he was standing in the end zone watching and we threw it. he thought oh we're getting a pick on this we're getting a pick on nobody this. was there and there was nobody there he but anticipated, he knew yeah, that the anticipation based on coverage yeah, the anticipation he has in his game is too it's and that's to me that's cognition it is that's the fighter pilot stuff right that's yes. seeing it quickly yeah. recognizing it quickly making yeah. that snap decision and uh that's, you know that's, he, that's his strength in my opinion I totally accurate, on top of the accuracy because he's as he told everybody at the combine last year he's a ball placement expert yeah, I mean, ball placement I, is his game. <laughs> hard, to, hard to disagree with that now no. after watching them. So, yeah, they were talking about the S2 cognition test, and I think that's a credit to Bobby Sloak. So, give him credit uh, for making it as easy as he can on a young quarterback transitioning in. I'm sure as they, as they continue to progress, they'll add more to his plate. Uh, but speaking of uh, CJ Stroud, I want to talk about his performance versus zone and versus man. That's going to be key in this matchup versus the Browns. Matter of fact, it may be the biggest and most important factor because if you're going to pull off the upset, you're going to need C.J. Stroud to have one of his best games. You need him to be clutch. Uh, You need him to uh, basically go out there and win you a game and and be clutch in critical moments um, and be the best version of himself. And he can do it. He did it last week. Essentially what was a playoff scenario where winner advances and loser is out. Uh, they won that game, ended up actually winning, divi- winning the division as a result. They're the first head coach, rookie head coach, rookie starting quarterback duo in NFL history uh, to, win the, uh, to win the division. You got to go all the way back to 1920 before really the NFL was even a thing. Um, to find a head coach duo and a rookie head coach duo and a rookie quarterback duo to win division. I think it was George Hallis and 
Oh, I forget his name. Dutch Sternman. Uh, Dutch Sternman. Man, Dutch Sternman. He was a hell of a player. I have no idea who he was. Well, and uh, <laughs> uh, but real, real quick, ZJ Stroud versus zone coverage. This is important. So versus the Colts, they play a lot of zone coverage. As a matter of fact, the zone, uh, the uh, the Colts played more zone coverage than any team in the league, you could argue. Cover three and cover four at 60% rate. They play zone coverage overall 84% of the time. And C.J. Stroud, magnificent versus zone. Averaging 8.9 yards per attempt versus cover three and cover four. That's third best in the NFL against those coverages. Uh, He also, if you go look at the uh, uh, points per drop back for him, second in the NFL in points per drop back versus zone coverage. He's really good versus zone. Getting back to uh, the point about that he made, he make his process too easy. His his cog- his recognition and cognition are way too easy uh, when it comes to processing zone coverage. Uh, but in man coverage, you can play a lot more games with your presentation and with your disguise. So CJ and the Browns they play fourth most man coverage in the NFL. Uh, second most cover one in the NFL with a single high safety. CJ Stroud versus man coverage completion percentage fifty. Two percent. That's twenty-second out of thirty-nine quarterbacks. His EPA per play, thirty-eighth out of thirty at thirty-nine quarterbacks. His touchdown rate is usually around four point six percent. It drops to three point four percent versus man. That's the key. How he performs versus man coverage against the best defense in the league, who have the defensive player of the year, arguably. Um, I think, uh, and, and Miles Garrett coming after uh, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, we'll make picks on these games later in the week. Before you uh, go gamble on the Browns, and, and t- Browns are favored in Houston. I will remind you they played just two weeks ago, and the Browns, the Texans played without C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins. They played without Will Anderson and Blake Cashman, their middle linebacker. They played without Shaq Mason, their starting guard. Played without Denzel Perryman, uh, their starting linebacker, and uh, Steven Nelson, one of their starting corners. So the, all those guys are playing this week. Yep. So that's good. It is. <laughs> I mean, especially Stroud and Nico Collins, uh, Will Anderson coming yeah. off the edge. You know, Blake Cashman's their best linebacker, in my opinion, the Jets uh, free agent. Shaq Mason is their one of their better interior linemen. So, and, and the you know, the Browns had their way with the Texans in that game, but, you know, missing all those key guys, it was still a seven-point game at the yeah. end. Now, missing your quarterback, I mean, he's, he's the biggest difference maker, the, the great equalizer. Speaking of Nico Collins. He's, Case Keenan was trying to throw it to Noah Brown. That was the, essentially the – It's not a good recipe. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for anybody. It's the number one defense in the, in the league. Uh, and your point about Nico Collins, guys, I, we haven't talked about him enough. He's had a great year. Isn't he a Michigan man? Yeah, third year he out of Michigan. Michigan. Uh, so, shout out to – I guess he had a great uh, night as well. But he's had a great season. I'll give you his ranks uh, as a wide receiver. Uh, If you look at yards, he's eighth at 1,297 receiving yards. Um, This is 2023 regular season stats. Uh, (laughs) 73.4 catch percent. That's ninth among receivers. Um, 16.2 yards per reception, fifth. Eight touchdowns, tied for sixth. Um, 554 yak yards, that's sixth. 6.9 yards after the catch per reception, second. His yards per route run, second in the NFL, 3.10. Um, his A dot average depth of target, 11.5. That's 19th. Um, he's only got four drops. That's tied for 12th. He had a he had a top 10 type receiver season, which is not what I think people thought about Nico Collins. Uh, but they probably didn't know that C.J. Stroud was gonna have you know such a, a great rookie campaign either. But Nico Collins has become a weapon uh, for the Texans. 
And C.J. Stroud also with top 10 stats as a quarterback overall, 100.9 passer rating, that's fifth. A dot for him, 9.4, that's first. Yeah, he led the NFL in average depth of target, people. So he's pushing the ball down the field, <laughs> deep down the field. These are not dinks and dunks. Uh, average yards per attempt, he's third. So he's top three in yards per attempt and a dot. Uh, if you look at completion percentage, he's 19, 63.9%. But he only got five interceptions, so touchdown-interception ratio led the NFL. 13, uh, 13th in touchdowns, 23 of them, um, and over 4,100 yards uh, passing, which is eighth in the NFL. So he had a top 10 even borderline top five <laughs> quarterback overall quarterback year, and he as a rookie, like he's that's amazing. I was watching the uh, post game coverage after the win Saturday night, and Nika and uh, CJ Stroud said something funny. I think it was what Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center asked him, you know, about the, in the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, and that you're leading receivers, a Michigan guy, and he went on and on about how, what a great teammate he is. And then at, at the very end, CJ Stroud said, "Yeah, it sucks that he went there, though." <laughs> it sucks that he went there. Yeah, it sucks that he went there, though. I like it. <laughs> he had to get his little Got to get your dig in, man. No question. Yeah, so, it sucks that he went there. Uh, yeah, man, the Texans, uh, I don't think there's a lot. Almost like you felt bad for him. I know. But I'll give the Texans a lot of credit, though, even though Tank Dale went down and they've had a lot of injuries at receiver and at tight end throughout the year. C.J. Stroud's performance hasn't really suffered. Even when they've had, you know, average to below average talent in their wide receiver, he's still been making it happen. But Nico Collins is playing uh, like By the way, Nico a top Collins, 10 wide receiver in the can league. I, can right? I mention Nico Collins as, and Tank Dell as further evidence of why Nick Casario should be the executive of the year in pro football? That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, Tank Dell, third round pick this year. Nico Collins, third round pick in 21. Um, I mean, those that that's good evaluation. Giving you starting wide receiver vibes. Yep. Third round. And, and the Noah Brown signing, the Dalton Schultz signing, were both both pretty shrewd. Devin, Devin Singletary is a one year deal from Buffalo. So yeah, I mean, uh, and, and and you know the draft picks. I mean, Collins and Tank Dell will be the and, and they're going to add another receiver this off season. Yep. But you trust that Nick Casario can now find that that receiver in the third round. I think he can. You don't have I to mean, use the high pick on it. Yeah, he's actually found some really good talent in those middle rounds for the Texans. Now, he hit on the the, the, the top guys in this past draft, but go look at his, the middle round well, his, picks. His worst lately. draft pick of the last few – because remember, when he got there, they had no draft picks because Bill O'Brien had traded them all. Mm-hmm. And they had you know salary cap issues that they had to dig out of, and they had no talent. I mean, think about that when you're, if you're Nick Casera taking over from Bill O'Brien and you've got not a good team, bad roster – over the cap, no picks. <laughs> You're just like, damn. That's why they hired David Culley in the first place to kind of weather the, 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 the two-year storm of having to dig out of that. The and, now, and now they have. But the worst pick he's made was the so far was the Kenyon Green pick, the offensive lineman from, from A&M. A&M. He's just yeah. been hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. Can't stay healthy because uh, they took him two, year, in, in, two drafts ago with the 15th pick. He's supposed to be a staple on their interior. But instead, they went out and signed Shaq Mason from Tampa Bay, and he's been really good for them. He was one of the guys who was out in that Browns game. So he's done a nice job, a really nice job. And even uh, last week when we talked to Sean Bajani from Sports Radio 610, he mentioned that, you you know, don't forget about this with Nick Casario. Because Houston has has had so many injuries and yeah. used the more new players than any team in the league, he's had to find those players. We've had most players Like when you hour. get to a Tuesday and you yeah. got the injury report, you got to go get some guys. Yep. He's done a really good job of bringing in the right piece. A guy like uh, Derek Barnett, the pass rusher, came in week 15. Mm-hmm. He's been really good. Uh, he was on the street rod. Yep. Um, you know, so, so finding those pieces, and that's where even D'Amico Ryan said that uh, one of the great things about Nick Casario and myself is we see football the same. 
So he's looking for the same kind of players I want to coach, right? He's looking for the same type of dudes that, that I look for. And so I don't have to worry about it. He does it. He does it. <laughs> he does it. Yeah. And then the opposite of that is true, Rod, when you've got a coach and a GM. If the GM's bringing in the wrong kind of guys, guys, you, that doesn't work. Makes your, makes your life hell. Yeah, it's like, I don't like this yeah, guy. Yeah, this is not guy. the kind of guy I would bring in. <laughs> Who's this yeah. dude? But it, if you don't have to look over their shoulder all the time in terms of their – evaluations and acquisitions, you can just trust that they're going to bring in your types of players. Yeah. Then it makes your job that much easier. So I, right now they're working really well together. As a matter of fact, we have some sound. I sent it to Ty of uh, Nick Casario being asked about that Washington Post report that Ooh. he potentially would be interested in a return to New England. He was asked about it, and he had a pretty uh, salty uh, response. So we'll play that. Matter of fact, we'll play that and who said that, actually. Um, if you go look at Nico Collins, though, just throwing this out there so we're talking about it, and then we'll move on to a Cowboys topic. If you look at best yards per route run uh, since 2007, Tyreek Hill is number one uh, from 2023 at four yards per route run. He's the best in that time span from since 2007. Steve Smith uh, is in 2008 is at 3.9. Tyreek Hill 2022 he's at 3.3, so he's third <laughs> since 2007. George Kittle is fourth at 2019, he's at 3.3. Then Nico Collins. So Nico Collins is the fifth best yards per route run. Actually tied for fourth best yards per route run since 2007. Behind only Tyreek Hill twice last year and this year and Steve Smith of 2008. Let that sink in. Yeah. Yeah. A phenomenal year for Nico Collins, man. It's just been great. He's really come into his own. He's got a quarterback to throw on the ball. And he had a run the other night against the Colts where he – you know, took a little short pass and went up the field. He was running dudes over. I mean, he was lowering shoulders. Yeah, he was physical. trucking. He was trucking people. He's a physical receiver. Like this dude's like Debo Samuel. Come on, yeah. man. Uh, okay, so this I know run some dudes over. <laughs> I know we're up against it, so I'll be quick with this topic about the Cowboys. But uh, we're, we're going to preview obviously matchup between the Packers and uh, the Cowboys uh, all the rest of the week. But the big uh, topic was you don't know how most Cowboys fans don't know how good Jordan Love has been uh, the second half of the season. 20 total touchdowns, one interception in the last eight games with a 6-2 and two record and a 112.7 passer rating. Uh, you go look at it, and he did all that without starting left tackle uh, Bakhtiari. He did it without a number one wide receiver because there was no 1,000-yard wide receiver on the team. And 87% of all of his yards passing to first or second year players they're a really young squad so that's something to be concerned about if you don't know he's playing like a i know it's hard to think he's playing like a top five to top six or seven quarterback in the league in the last eight games that's concerning also aaron jones is finally getting healthy uh the last three games of the season, you could argue he's been the best running back in the league the last three weeks <laughs> of the season when he's been healthy even though he missed six games this year but this is the topic that i'm ranting about a little bit Michael Parsons, who has been phenomenal. I mean, Michael Parsons is on track to be one of the best young pass rushers in the history of the NFL. But how about this stat? He did not draw a holding penalty in the last 11 games of the 2023 season. I repeat, Michael Parsons did not get held, if you believe the officiating, once. He did not get held on one play and then get held once in the last 11 games of the 2023 season. He did have 71 pressures and a 24.8% pressure rate, which I believe led the NFL. So he's getting a lot of pressures, but apparently he is not being held. If I am Matt LaFleur, I think it's a pretty simple strategy. Hold Michael Parsons early 
hold him often because <laughs> they don't they call don't it. Call it. It's like Longhorn right? players this year. I mean, he's the he's the <laughs> fifth NFL. Sweat right? He's the fifth NFL player since 1982 with at least 40 <laughs> sacks uh, in his career in his first three seasons, joining Derek Thomas, Reggie White, um, Dwight Freeney, and Alden Smith. And I guarantee you, all of those guys were held at least once in the last 11 games of their uh, third of their uh, the final 11 games of their third year of their career. I guarantee you, that's a, that's amazing. That is amazing. That's amazing. All right, we'll come back when we do. Who said that, Rod, including that Nick Casario sound? I've got some good stuff for you, too. Uh, some sports sound from around the uh, landscape. Who said it? And we guess. Coming next on Hook, Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Time for Who Said That? That's right, audio from around the landscape. Uh, and who said it? We, who uh, said that? Try to keep it to sports, but sometimes we don't. Uh, but, Rod, we know we have 14 teams left in the NFL playoffs, right? 14 have qualified right. for the tournament. That means 18 are left to look forward and pick up the pieces and wonder what went wrong, including uh, this, this, this person in Who Said That, Rod? Uh, who said this yesterday? Was it a mistake not to pursue Lamar Jackson? I don't think so. I mean, I think that, I mean, it's easy to say yes, you know, looking given his year. He's an obviously an incredible player. We felt we had an answer in Ritter, a younger player without, you know, that kind of contract that would have kept us from actually building the team we want we wanted to build. We want to be able to raise our own children and keep our own children as best we can. Um, man, it's not the GM for the Falcons, is it? Who's it's that? the owner? That's, 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 that's Mr. Blank? Blank. Yes. Did he, man? Did he say children at the end? Yeah, they, they, well, he's talking about draft picks. They want to raise their own draft picks, essentially. <laughs> and he said the okay. reason we didn't pursue Lamar Jackson was because we had Desmond Ritter. Uh, oh. right. Yeah. What did I say? Eighteen teams picking up the pieces, wondering Come what on, went man. wrong. And and you know what? That's, that's, the, that's no excuse for not even in, in being. Not even inquiring about it. Well, look, that's why Arthur Blank was fired. Arthur Blank. That's why Arthur Smith was fired at twelve oh one, because I'm assuming at some point Arthur Blank said, "Are you sure this Desmond Ritter is good? He's ready to be our guy." Yep. And he it. said, "You know what? Yes, he is, sir. Yes, he is, Mister Blank." You shouldn't have said that. And he said, "Well, you're fired." You should have been like, <laughs> "I need a, I need a quarterback." Anytime they ask you, "Do you want, do you want a better quarterback, a chance to upgrade?" Say, "Yes, I would like a chance to upgrade my quarterback situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. please." Well, I mean, that's what Arthur Blank should do, right? You, you listen to your coach and your general manager, and if they're wrong, you fire them. <laughs> well, and on top of that, not being able to utilize and weaponize the players that you already have, like your, Bijan your Robinson. Children. And, yeah, your children. <laughs> not being to raise the kids you already have, yeah, that also hurts you a little bit. It sure that's, does. I love that. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. Um, Ty, uh, Ty, can you um, do can dial up any of the ones I sent? And we can just play. Who said that? say last week against Tennessee, we had Robert Woods and Sheldon Rankins come up in a team meeting and just and just be real with us. And um, Sheldon and, and Rob just had great things to say. They've been on winning teams. Uh, Rob has played in the Super Bowl. Like uh, They know that we, we have what we need in our locker room to get that done. Uh-huh. And we don't have that mindset, loser mindset. We're, we're going out there to beat everybody. And um, we respect our opponents, but we respect this game. But we know what we can do, man. Um, we have everything that we need in that locker room, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go try our best and try to get stack wins and wins. It doesn't matter what our record is now; zero zero in the playoffs. So we just need an opportunity. We got it. Uh, yeah, we. Mm-hmm. Who said man. that? That's that's CJ. That's, that's CJ Stroud, and I love that comment. I saw that. I actually watched that interview. Love that Saturday night with Scott Van Pelt. Good stuff, CJ Stroud. Win it, man. Good for them. Hey, man. Uh, as we said, I mean the the the, the stat is staggering. 
um, their money with him. But as a Texans fan, you pinch yourself because normally we get it wrong. We as Houston fans in sports, we get it wrong. We, yeah, you know, I agree. Um, more, more often times than not. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, quarterbacks to lead the NFL in passing yards per game on a game-by-game basis and passing touchdowns and interception ratio. So pass yards per game, touchdown interception ratio, quarterbacks all time. Joe Montana, 1989, won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, 2007, went to the Super Bowl, uh, lost to the Giants. C.J. Stroud, 2023. That's the list. That's it. That's the list. And one's a rookie. And one is 22 years old. One's, one's a, a rookie. <laughs> and on a team yeah. that they're still building the, the roster. Got it right. All right, who said this, Rod? This is a, you'll know this one in a heartbeat, but it is some, uh, some prophetic words from uh, uh, a, a great all-time cowboy. And that's the order they stand based on current tiebreakers. Wow, and guess what? Buffalo winning this today, Jim, still fighting for their playoff lives. But you never know. They could get way up there. They could be playing at home if they went out. Hold on. Yeah. There you go. That's, a, that's a, you know who that is. That's Romo. Yeah, Romo. After, the, after the, the Bills came out of their bye week and beat the Chiefs to improve to 7-6, and six, that was Tony Romo saying, you know what, if they get hot – they could be playing at home in the playoffs. Thank you to TikTok, someone for putting the music to it. <laughs> but yeah. they could be playing at home in the playoffs. And what do you know? Romo was right. They won out. They won out. Romo was right. And they're the two seed, and they will host the Steelers on a very cold Sunday. Yeah. Oh, man. And I want to say the Steelers are – are they a 10-point dog damn near now? That's one? right. Damn near a 10-point dog? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get into uh, that a little bit, too. I got some thoughts about that. We'll talk about it. I need to nine hear. Nine and a half. I don't know. If they're, they're nine and a half. I looked at it, but they usually rounds up to ten. Yeah. We'll get into it. There it is. Uh, but, yeah, it's playoffs, man. Playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs. Here we go. Fourteen teams remain. We come back. We will hit. Uh, I want to hear that Nick Casario sound you sent to Ty about uh, the Washington yes. Post report that maybe he'd be interested in going back to New England. Still no word from New England, by the way. No shoe has dropped on the Bill Belichick. Apparently, they, they Robert Kraft. the meetings are in. They're happening as we speak. Yeah, the Belichick. Yeah. Robert Kraft conversations. Still nothing out of Chicago either. At this point, Matt Eberflus is still the head coach of the Bears. I wonder if they're waiting to, behind the scenes, talk to Jim Harbaugh and gauge interest before they move off of uh, their current coach. We'll see. Uh, we're, we're, we're monitoring that. Plus, we've got the fabulous fifth hour coming next, which you just never know, Rod. Just never know. Uh, we'll get to all of that coming back. It took him up with Ian Rodby. Remember on the south side, FM 1626 near the railroad track is going to be shut down. Traffic's going to be diverted through there uh, for most of the day today, so keep that in mind. But otherwise, northbound I-35, yeah, slow from William Canada Stasty. And then Ben White Cesar Chavez, southbound 290 to the decks, heavy. But not many delays north of there anymore. Toll 130 looks good. Mopac looks good. Loop 360 heading toward Westlake. we got some backups. Uh, but we're thinking that's just due to the light changes there. Over at Old Torf and South First, a minor crash. Also, Walsh Street at 6th Street. Injury wreck clearing. I'm Don Miller. That's traffic. 